Oh, do we have quite the podcast today, another verbally diarrhea-laden episode. This is Formula One therapy, a subheading of Formula One philosophy. Formula One philosophy is now what the podcast is called. Formula One therapy is my rants. It's for me, not you. It's stuff I have to get out into the world. And if you don't like them, I don't blame you because I have very unpopular opinions. However, Formula One philosophy is me and Sean. We will have some discussions coming up soon for the 2024 season. And we'll try to keep them consistent for you. However, if we don't, you will have my rants to go off of. And they're good rants, I think, personally. I think nobody else is going to like them, but I don't also really give a shit. Because I have a lot on my mind. I have... 27 years of Formula One knowledge in my mind. Granted, with some breaks in between around the 2013 to 2018 season, because that was just some of the worst racing ever imagined. It was done on purpose. And we'll get into why in other podcasts when the topic arises. Today's topic, though, we're talking about the point system. Some people may say that the new point system is outdated. What I think is we should fully circle back to the 1990s point system. And the main reason why is because we have some of the most mediocre drivers ever, especially in the last 10 years. And I can name them off the top of my head. Nico Hulkenberg, Kevin Magnussen, Zhou Guanyu, Logan Sargent. We had Nikita Pazepin, Pastor Maldonado. We had... Valtteri Bottas, these are not necessarily the most mediocre drivers. They did have some race wins. Bottas, Palster Maldonado, Romain Grosjean was another one. A lot of them were just average drivers, or would have been average drivers in the 90s. There's a lot of other ones I'm forgetting too. Oh, Lance Stroll, almost forgot about that. Sergio Perez is getting under fire now. He'd be a pretty decent driver in the 90s, I think. Carlos Sainz. Uh, unpopular opinion, Charles Leclerc would have been one of those average drivers like Jean Alesi and Gerhard Berger. But that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm not going to just single out Charles Leclerc today. What I want to talk about is how the new point system creates mediocre drivers. Mediocre drivers. That's what I want to talk about today. And so currently we have a system in place where we go 25 for a win, 18 for second, 15 for third, 12 for 4th, 10 for 5th, 8 for 6th, and then, I don't know, fuck, who cares, 6 for 7th, and then 4, 3, 2, 1, so 4, 2, 1, 8th, 9th, 10th, too many points. Why should you get a point for finishing in the top 10? Why should you get a point for being just better than only half of the drivers? It's not, like, to be in the top 50% means nothing. To get points, you should be in the upper echelon. It used to be six of like 22, sometimes 28. That's impressive. That's somebody who should get points. That's where you judge people's abilities in the sport. In my opinion, 7th to 10th means nothing in seeing how good a driver could potentially be. And there's one egregious example I'm going to get to later in the podcast as to as to my, my thoughts on why 7th to 10th created some of the worst drivers ever. And I'll get to them in a bit, but we'll just start talking about the point system first. Back in the 90s, you had to be exceptional. And actually, it was all the way up until 2002 when the point system was originally changed to 10 8, 6 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, all the way to 8th. The top eight got points. And even then, that was pretty egregious because they did it originally to stop Michael Schumacher because they wanted to dilute his wins because he just kept winning didn't necessarily have the best car. He did in 2002. 2002 Ferrari was way better than all of its other competitors. By comparison to, say, the 2016 Mercedes, the the 2014 or 2013 Red Bull, even 2011 Red Bull, and the 2023 Red Bull, it was nothing in comparison. I think the Ferrari had like 60% win ratio in 2002. Whereas all the other ones had closer to 80-90. They originally changed the point system because they wanted 
more title fights, more closer finishes, people fighting for every every spot. It made it made it more exciting. Like yeah, if you didn't come first in the race, you still had a lot to fight for. But it also made things a little ridiculous in the sense that Michael Schumacher in 2002 won eight races or nine races, and Kimi Räikkönen won one, and was still in the title fight. That was kind of nonsense. Because he just kept finishing, he would just kept finishing second, collect points, and Michael Schumacher would only get two points ahead of him. So if he ever had a DNF or a natural problem with the car, he he lost out on on ground. And Raikkonen never took advantage of that. I think, or he only took advantage of once and got one win. Like that's to have a title fight when it's eight to one is complete nonsense. And eventually, it got to the point where Formula One saw the problem with that and wanted to give first more of a cushion for winning, more more of a reward for getting first place. And that's where you have the current system of today. It came in in 2010. And for the first couple of seasons, it did create some exciting title fights. But the reason you had those title fights was because it was a different generation now under a new point system. A generation trained a lot of them under the old uh, 90s system, there's quite a few drivers I still think still there, like Fisichella, Truly were still there, uh, Massa, people like that. Raikkonen was originally trained in the old system. Those drivers became good because they had to be in the top six. And that's where you get a real gauge of how good of a driver is. If they can get into the top six, even if the six, six place is only one point, you get a judge that that driver is someone reliable that they can get in the upper echelons of, of racing. And even still, like in the 90s and the 80s and 70s, they didn't value sixth place that much. It was one point. It wasn't a lot of points. It wasn't a a reward for finishing sixth. It was just, if you were a new driver, that was something to fight for. If you look at Schumacher's early career, it was a lot of fifth and sixth he was fighting for. But once he got to that point, once he got comfortable with fifth and sixth, then he jumped to podium. Then he jumped to race wins. And that's how I think you need to train the drivers. You can't, you can't expect a driver to become amazing if he's constantly fighting for eighth, or ninth, or tenth, or like, or like lately in the last couple of years, you see, you saw Zhou Guanyu in 2022, tenth place in his first ever race. Oh, points on his debut means nothing. Hasn't improved much from that. He got a he had a decent car in a decent position. A lot of DNFs in front of him came tenth. Good job for staying on the track. However, are we getting a gauge of you being a, a, a future superstar with that 10th? No. Ditto to Yuki Tsunoda in 2021. 10th is first race. There's a lot of potential. They had a lot of belief in him. But it took the rest of the season in a good car for him to finally get a hold on it. I think he finished fourth in Brazil in 2021, which is pretty impressive. We'll give him that. But you didn't know if he was any good from that 10th place. Then there's the most egregious example of the last couple of years, Nick DeVries. In a decent car, the Williams was tuned for that Monza track. He came ninth. How did that work out for Red Bull, going all in on him? Was that ninth worth anything? Did the points mean anything? Yeah, he got points. Great. But did it mean anything? Was it something worth looking at as a future potential world beater? Now, Nick DeVries kind of got screwed, I think, in my opinion. He, he deserved at least a season to to get a to, to get his head around Formula One. It takes a while. Even Franz Tost, the one who was supposed to train him, while he let Helmut Marco throw him under the bus, says it takes three years to learn. Okay, well, you gave him 10 races and then kicked him out and said he's never going to have a Formula One career again. I, I, don't, I don't see what the logic was there. But it all comes back to the fact that you worshipped his ninth place. You worshipped something that wasn't really that valuable. And that could be changed if ninth wasn't points. I'm even willing to go as far as to say the top eight should be points. If that's somewhere where Formula One wants to meet my very powerful influence, because clearly I'm going to change this very soon. If they want to meet me halfway... We can settle on the top eight getting points. 
An eighth should only be one point. If you come in the top eight, that's one point. I'm good with seven being two. I'm good with six being three. I'm good with fourth and fifth being four and five, respectively, or five and four, respectively. But then the top three should have a cushion from that. I feel like first should have 14 points, maybe 15 points. Four, five, 15 actually does sound like a nice, good round number. Second should get anywhere from 8th to 10th. I think 9. Eight, 9 points probably makes a lot of sense. It's a 6-point spread. Even 8 makes sense too. But I think probably 9 or 10. So then that third can get seven. And that separates a little bit from fourth or fifth. Probably even makes more sense. Eight for third, 10th for second. Yeah, I'm just talking out loud here, people. I'm just really just doing this off the top of my head. I encourage you to listen to this show, but don't expect the world from me right now. 15, 10, eight, and then five for fourth. Fourth should get some points, not that much. It's a little bit of a spread like that. And then you get a real sense of who's good with when the points total comes at the end of the year. Right now, because we had a lot of drivers who would just get a lot of tenths to sevenths early on in their career in the 2010s, a lot of rookie drivers, Grosjean, uh, Maldonado, uh, Fiat, even to a smaller sense, Ricardo. Ricardo was very talented. But a lot of drivers started with that Magnussen and the most egregious example, Nico Hulkenberg. Those drivers never really amounted to much, the the ones I listed. Grosjean at least got 10 podiums. Magnussen got a second in his first race and has never seen the podium again. Hulkenberg's never got a podium. We have two of those three drivers still in Formula One because they just chip away at 10th to 7th. And it means nothing to me. It means absolutely nothing to me. And there's a lot of rookies that are being judged. Some that may have talent that make me wonder, are they that good? There's a lot of talk about Liam Lawson, but realistically, he finished 10th, was awarded a 9th after penalties, and then never came anywhere close to it after that in Singapore last year in 2023. Is he good? I don't know. Maybe there's a lot more potential to him. Maybe there's something that they see in him that I don't. But based off of that... There's not much to go on. In my opinion, he's a pointless driver. And point as in without points, not not a pointless driver. He could be he seems like he has some talent. I talked about it in another episode called uh, the fallacy of quick where where we, where I say someone who's a quick driver means nothing if they can't develop the car. And Lawson seems like he might be one of those people. Who's someone who can just drive a fast car, but not necessarily make a good car. And that to me is ultimately what you should be looking for. Max Verstappen can make a good car. Charles Leclerc can't. Charles Leclerc needs a good car. Lewis Hamilton, ditto. George Russell, ditto. Valtteri Bottas, ditto. Alex Albon is making a good car at Williams. The hype around him for his 7th to 10th points finishes makes a lot of sense because they keep improving. Also, he's qualifying pretty well with a bad car. There's something there. It would be better, I think. I think Alex Albon would be someone I would consider a potential champion if he could come in the top six, which has so far eluded him at Williams. But I think with the progressive results, we may see that next year in 2024. And you know, if we don't, I think the hype around Albon should cool a little bit. Because coming seventh to me means nothing. Even if you do have the worst car, which it wasn't the worst car this year, it was a seventh place constructor. I, I think you need to cool it. That's why maybe someone like me needs to temper it a little bit and say maybe the top six is too restricting and that seventh and eighth can be considered something. But I think you got a great generation of racing. From 80s drivers, a lot of whom were fired, they weeded out the bad ones to only get basically champions, race winners, and podium finishers from the 80s 
a lot of them spilt over into the 90s, created some of the best racing you'll ever see because they had to be good. They had to be capable of finishing the top six in order to get points, in order to be considered anything special, in order to be rated as a decent driver. Then you got the 90s, and then those drivers raised in that same point system created the 2000s, which I know the early 2000s a lot of people shit on because Schumacher was dominating, but the 2000s were some amazing racing, especially towards the end. And as much as I hate to say it, the rule changes, I hated them because they they went after Michael Schumacher, but the original rule changes did create some great title fights, did create some great racing, and only the top eight got points. And you created a generation like Massa, Raikkonen, um, Alonso, Fisichella, sorry, not Fisichella, um, Alonso, Hamilton, yeah, I already said all those names, but you created a great, Vettel, uh, Heidfeld, Kubica, you, you created a great generation of drivers that transferred over into the 20, early 2010s. You had some great title fights as well. I think worse racing you'll ever see from 2010 to 2014 because they didn't allow for wet races. A lot of them were under the safety cars or red flagged. You lost tire grooves and tire manufacturers. You lost refueling after 2008. So in terms of the actual racing, the quality went down, but you still got great title fights from drivers who were capable of pulling something out of every race. Like you had like a Vitaly Petrov was like a mid-level driver and he, he was a decent driver. You had the, like I said, Nick Heidfeld, you had uh, Heike Kovalainen still, you had these drivers that, yeah, were raised in the, in the little more lax point system, but it was still good enough that you, they, you had to be good to get it in the top eight is, is not impressive, but it's still better than barely getting to the top 10. And I think if you only got one point for eighth, it wouldn't mean much to a lot of people. If you're having a bad race, you would maybe retire the car or figure out a way to just finish the race and come back stronger the next one, like not worry too much about about trying to just scrape for 10th or use the last couple laps as practice for the next race. See if you can get a setup right. Use the, do a pit stop and change the setup in the car. A lot of which you don't do now because you have people in 12th thinking, okay, I'm in position that I can potentially get points. If that was 8th for points, no. It would... I just, I just think we're getting just such a lower bar of drivers from getting the top 10. And... The media has been part of pushing this narrative of more points, more money for constructors, more for lower constructors, like, oh, we're going to help the construct the lower constructors out by giving them points, helping them raise up, rise up the ladder. And I think that's a big mistake because now when there's a lower bar, you keep lower constructors down there. They have less to fight for. Like they don't have much to scramble for because the bar is a lot lower for them to jump over now. Make the bar higher for them to jump. You'll get better constructors. You'll weed out the poorly managed ones. You would not have a Haas if if only the top six or top eight points. You would not have an Alfa Romeo. Probably wouldn't even have a Williams anymore. Would you have an Austin Martin that was a racing point? Probably not either. And But there would be other constructors that would take the place, ones that would strive like they used to in the 90s. All, every constructor that came in believed they could win races. That was their goal. They weren't just sitting there fighting for sixth. Arrows, um, Stewart, Jaguar. A lot of these constructors, uh, uh, Prost, Peugeot, was originally Ligier. They all have race wins to their names. Some of them were fru- like flukes and freaks like Prost and, and Stewart's, where Stewart, I think, only five cars finished the race in the Europe 99. And three at Monaco when uh, Ligier won, or what became Prost Peugeot. And I think Tyrrell has had a few podiums over the years. Jordan, same thing, didn't win a race, but they were consistently on the podium before they got their first race win. That was the goal. It was like, we're not just going to sit at the back, we're going to get the car in a way that we can compete towards the top and there was more dnfs than finishes for them but those few finishes were high finishes 
Would they rather have scraped six races with one point or one race with the third? I think it brings more confidence and street cred to your team when you can get a podium than six straight six places for one point. Like it means it means nothing. And I think that used to be the mentality of teams that they used to strive to go higher, to jump higher than to sit and try and jump over a low bar. And a lot of them failed. A lot of them did fail. Like, yeah, there was Terrell, Toyota, uh, BAR, uh, Jordan failed too, uh, Prost Peugeot failed. They, they all eventually got weeded out because they couldn't compete. Some of it had to do with rule changes, regulation changes, money, the way money had to be spent, and that's a whole other discussion. You saw a lot of that, of consolidation of power amongst the elites in every sport come the 2000s. There was like some virus going in through the air in European football and a lot of North American sports. It just became harder and harder to be a smaller team because spending limits or or floors were put in or salary caps to me, which is just it's a way of consolidating the power of the big teams. Salary caps don't help smaller teams. and Neither does this cost cap in F1, but we're not talking about that today. The media definitely had a hand in helping these point systems come into place. And I think it's because the media, this is something I'm going to talk about a lot. The media likes losers. Losers are people that grovel to the media. Losers are media that are happy to talk to media personalities. This does have something to do with the point systems because if you're just finishing from 10th to 7th every race, you know in your heart you're not doing that well as a driver. You want to be in that top six, even the top three, even winning. But if you're someone who's okay with coming 7th or 8th every race, the media is going to love you because you're never going to say anything controversial. Because they can easily come back and say, you're a total loser who can't win races. But if you stay quiet and tell them what they want to hear and never win, they will love you. And a lot of those drivers are around right now. And a lot of those drivers are getting worshipped for their ninth and 8th places. And a lot of drivers are keeping under the radar and keeping their spots because they are quiet. Whereas the winners like Max Verstappen who get irritated when they come third. <laughs> Six, God, God help him. He needs to go back to the drawing board. Or Lewis Hamilton. Or Michael Schumacher. Or Sebastian Vettel. Who are constantly striving for more. You'll notice those were, all except for Hamilton, hated. Schumacher, Vettel, Verstappen, you'll notice there's not a positive light shed on them. Because they believe in themselves. And also especially with Verstappen, they do not need the approval of the media. They will happily tell them to go fuck themselves. Raikkonen was another one. They loved Raikkonen because they knew he wasn't really a threat. He was never going to amount to much because he was just so fucking lazy. But at the same time, he didn't want to talk to them. So he was never worshipped in that way until he came back for Lotus and was a third, second, third, two, six, seventh place driver. A lot of the times, like eighth, two, like Lotus wasn't that good. You can't expect too much from him. One or two wins in two years of Lotus. But because of that stint at Lotus with an average car, he was treated as one of the goats in the media. When in reality, he was only a 19-time race winner and one-time world champion when he should have been a lot more. They should have been on his ass for underachieving. But they liked him because he didn't want to really talk to them, stayed quiet on controversial topics, and was average. He came back into mediocrity. Now, I would say his time at Lotus was exceptional, but in the grand scheme of things, there was no title fight. And there probably could have been. His time at Ferrari, too. He was... His shots were taken at him at Ferrari, too. At times. Because he really wasn't helping Sebastian Vettel. Some of it had to do with Ferrari's strategy, the way they treated him. He was second fiddle. He probably could have given more if they treated him better. But it was a lackluster time. 
Towards the end, he got it, and then when he goes to Alfa Romeo and sits towards the back and stays quiet and is uncontroversial, he was adored. That's what the media loves. Someone who's, who lets them paint the picture they want. A confident winner like Verstappen and Vettel, you were notice, were hated by the media. Vettel was even followed by boos in the 2013 season. As if it was his problem that he was dominating in a great car. Good job, Sebastian. But that's why. like, They hated Sebastian Vettel when he was winning, but when he was losing and struggling to beat Hamilton, he was beloved. And he knew how to play that angle. He knew how to play that like goofy, silly type of guy to get people to like him. And he thought it would help him win, but clearly it didn't. If he was dark Sebastian, he would have been he would have been better. Like the evil Sebastian. The one that was hated. He probably would have came close to a win, if not an actual win. And that, that goes hands in hands with the point system. Because we don't want they don't want exceptional people rising to the top. They want a lot of mediocre people. They would rather drag down a Max Verstappen or a Michael Schumacher than raise people up. They would rather worship someone who clearly isn't good and lie to our face because he's exactly who they want than to ever admit that they're not the gods of this sport. The number one example of that is Nico Hulkenberg. And boy, that I've only brought up his name a few times in these first few podcasts is a testament to my patience. Because I think about a lot about how useless he is and how he is like the prime example of everything wrong with Formula One. Someone whose most common finish is is 7th and 8th. That is his most common position. That's nothing special. They brag that he has 530 career points. In In the 1990s, in the 1990s, he would have only had 46 total points. Yes, I did all the work, I did all the research, and I did the math. You're welcome, everybody. And that is in 203 Grand Prix starts. How he's ever gotten 100 Grand Prix starts is beyond me. His first few seasons were nothing special. He got a couple of sixths, two fourths, and a couple of fifths. And this is now at a time where I think it was 19 races a season. So that would be 57 races. And he came in the points nine times out of 57 races in his first 57. In total, I've done the math. It's 29 top six finishes in 205, 203 races. 14%. One out of every seven races will he come in the top six. And that's not including all the outside the top tens, all the sevenths and eighths. This is an example of someone who never amounted to anything because he was worshipped for his seventh to tenth places consistently. When in reality, he's very inconsistently in the top six, which is where you get a grade of a good driver. But the media, I think a lot of engineers too, because engineers believe in Formula One that the team is their car. They designed it. They did everything. They People should be driving the car that they like in a way that they like. They shouldn't be overextending it. They shouldn't be DNFing with it. They shouldn't be blowing engines, gearboxes. They design it so perfectly that someone who pushes it to its limits, like a Senna, like a Schumacher, and wills the car into the way it wants, into the way it wants, is not what they want. They want someone who will just calmly bring it home. And they're quiet in the background type of people. They're not hungry winners. 
If they were, they would be fighting for spots driving the car because they understand the car, they understand the engineering. Why don't you go just get into a car and try and race? They probably couldn't early on. So that's why they sit in the background now and try to boss around and tell everybody who the perfect drivers for the car car are. And Nico Hulkenberg has been foisted on Formula One because of these types of people. Once again, 203 starts, no podiums. One freak pole in Brazil where it was wet. So I'm assuming he got a dry time and nobody else got a dry time. Exactly like Kevin Magnuson. 46 total points in the top six out of his 530. I'm not even going to do the math on that one. But it's less than 10% of his actual points are from top six finishes. 29 top six finishes. 14%. One out of every seven times. He's even worse because he believes he's a good driver too. He's starting to believe the bullshit. He's starting to believe the echo chamber. We know this because of some interviews we've had since he's come back. And some of them in the super sub time, super sub, quote unquote super sub time. The most egregious one being when he drove for Austin Martin and saw the first two races of 2022. Came last place, I think it was 16th in the first race. And 12th in Saudi Arabia out of 13 drivers. He beat Latifi. Now, granted, at the beginning of the year, that Austin Martin wasn't very good. However, it wasn't last place worthy. Because Sebastian Vettel, a couple of races later, got a sixth place. I think it was actually two or three races from there. He got a sixth place. Sebastian Vettel had a bad season by his standards in that car. However, Nico Hulkenberg was literally double worse. As in 12th to Sebastian Vettel's six within two races. When they asked him how he did that race, he said, I actually had the perfect race coming in 12th. The car was perfect. I did all I could. It was a perfect race. Now, I think it was probably a tongue-in-cheek comment. I hope. I hope. But unfortunately, following his career the way I have, and it's because just when you see a train wreck, you can't stop watching... All the times he's come seventh. I've said this before in other podcasts. The top four cars. He was always in one of the top four cars. With either Force India, Sauber, or Renault. And he would always come seventh or eighth. Always. Which is last. Out of the top cars. So he's already an unaggressive driver who's unwilling or unable, I think, to attack and go forward. He can't defend for shit because he qualifies pretty well, but never seems to get that qualifying position up top. And he believed his bullshit so much that he thought he could say, I finished 12th, I had the perfect race. Max Verstappen, who won that race, and DNF the race before, probably had 20 different things to say that were went wrong with his race and were wrong with the car. That's a world champion. Would never say he had a perfect race, ever. I don't even think he said he had a perfect season in 2023. Adrian Newey came out and, and dittoed that and said, yeah, we, you know, we got to figure out Singapore for next year. Because Max Verstappen finished sixth or fifth and Perez, I, I don't even know where he finished that race, but they didn't win it. 21 out of 22 wins in the season. They didn't have a perfect season. What the hell are you saying you had a perfect race for in 12th, Nico? What kind of idiot driver talks that way? Who the hell told you that you were good enough to talk that way? I'm getting riled up and sick of him because how did that ever cross his mind? I still don't understand. That was far from a perfect race when you finished second last. Second last. You beat Nicholas Latifi. Good job. 
Good job. Yes, you were a year out of the sport. 2021, you didn't appear. But don't say you had a perfect race. Perfect race is winning and winning by like two laps. You were far from perfect. Oh, my God. Just talking about it makes me sick. Let's also talk about his quote-unquote super sub performances in 2020. The racing point that year, if people remember correctly, was actually a very good car, a very fast car. It had the Mercedes engine. Mercedes was the only team that was able to get the development right over those years. Even Red Bull missed their marks in 2020. The Force India Mercedes was very fast. It was fast enough that I think Stroll got a pull. Perez was consistently in the top five qualifying. Perez got a win and a couple podiums. Stroll, I think, also got a couple podiums as well. Nico Hulkenberg, in his substitute appearances, finished seventh and eighth. And they said after qualifying third. Yes. Okay, great job. Once again, one lap pace, can't defend, can't attack for shit. What's his excuse then? He was called driver of the day for the eighth place one. Why? He was less than a year out of the sport at that point. That's commonplace and standard. You qualified third. How did you finish eighth in a car that's pretty fast? I bring this up because in yet another one of his egregious interviews this year when he took shots at Haas, a team he should not be in, that was nice enough to give him a spot on the on the grid, also read as delusional to give him a spot on the grid to think a guy three years out of the sport is going to take the team forward instead of the son of a seven-time world champion who's learning and growing, and all you had to do was show him, give him some backing, give him some confidence. He had a terrible car that was a completely different design than 22 car in 2021. He drove a death trap in 2021 for you that was under underfunded and un, undeveloped and then came into a whole new platform at the beginning of 2022 when you shat all over him when he crashed as a rookie again. He was the rare instance of a second-year rookie because started on one platform and then had to learn a whole new platform year over year. And he got better and improved. But you thought the guy three years out of the sport would be a better solution. That's your stupidity. I've talked about this before. The fact that they were that dumb to give you a spot, Nico, you don't take shots at them. You should kiss the fucking ground they walk on because you don't belong in Formula One. He sat there and said, well, they have to figure out development. The car's not fast enough. We have to figure out the tire degradation. Isn't that your job? Partially? How come you, who was supposed to take development forward, made development worse? How were the upgrades completely off the mark? That has something to do with you. They learned off of your driving techniques. Steiner said he was learning every day from your performances. If the if the upgrades miss the mark, that has a lot to do with you. Wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you take some responsibility? How have you never taken responsibility? In 10 years now. No matter how consistently obvious it is that you do not belong in Formula 1, that you're not up to speed, that the best you can do is 7th or 8th. If you just take, if you just took responsibility, you might improve. They can list on one hand how many times you were close to a podium. You've had one, two, three, four, fourth places in your career. You weren't close to the podium there because you're probably a way behind fourth, I imagine. And then they also say, oh, Monaco 2016, if he didn't have a bad pit stop, he would have came third. Cool. A lot of people get bad pit stops. A lot of people get screwed by team strategy. How in 10 years you've come nowhere close to a podium is more of the problem. Not the bad strategy. It's not. I don't even need the full hand. I just need one finger to say the times he came close to a podium. 
And that's an assumption too. It probably wasn't even that close to a podium. It's probably nowhere near it ever. They asked him why, and I, I went off on track. They asked him why. They said, how come you've never got a podium in these 10 years? He said, I've never had the car. You sure did. Did Sergio Perez not have the car? The same car as you? When he got podiums at Sauber and Force India, both the teams you were at? Sergio Perez almost won a race in a crappy Sauber. Sergio Perez won a race at Force India, got several podiums at the same times, same times that you were teammates. Over two years, he got several podiums. You outscored him because of your crappy seventh places consistently. But he got podiums. Did you ever think to look in the mirror then and say, maybe I'm the problem? No, I've never had the car. Did Carlos Sainz not have the car? When he drove at Renault with you and he got podiums? What about Daniel Ricciardo? Huh? Your teammate was able to get podiums in the car that you couldn't. And you were there three years before him developing that car. How did he, was he able to jump in so easily and get a podium there? Yes, he's way better than you. But you couldn't sneak one in four years? What about Esteban Ocon, who took your spot and then got a podium, a second place, actually, in 2020? Is Esteban Ocon anything worth writing home for? No. Neither is Sergio Perez. Neither is Carlos Sainz, in my opinion. They're race winners now. Their podium finishes now. They grew. They took steps forward. You sat there and blamed everybody else. You sat there and you blamed everybody else. When all you had to do was look in the mirror and realize that you were the problem. You were the problem. And I'm taking shots at you because I hope this gets out into the ether, into the Formula One universe. And they understand that we know that they know that Nico Hulkenberg sucks. Stop pushing people like him on us. Stop pushing 7th and 8th place finishers on us as if they're gods. Ninth and 10th even more egregiously. Nick DeVries and Zhou Guan Yu are excellent examples of that. We're stuck with Zhou Guan Yu for a third year for like a 10th place in his first race. He's done nothing since. Yuki Tsunoda, ditto. Lance Stroll, at least he earned it a little bit. He did to do some great things. He's just consistently bad now in good cars. Maybe he just needs to go back to a bad car and be an overachiever instead of an underachiever. Logan Sargent now, you can see, like he 12th was turned into a 10th and they say he's improving. His qualifying got better. Like, like Nico. Nico was worshipped for his qualifying. Couldn't race for shit. It was never his fault. It was the Haas tire degradation. Yeah. How come Magnussen got three times the points finishes you did? And I am not Kevin Magnussen's fan at all. He does not belong in Formula One. But he was able to get into the top 10 three more to- two more times than you were. And I talked about another podcast. Your seventh was actually a tenth. Did he complain about... I didn't hear Kevin Magnuson complain about tire degradation. He does take shots at Haas. He's been there so long, he's kind of comfortable with them. You're in their first year, and you don't belong in Formula One. You've been three years out of the sport. You're older. You're losing your reaction time. You're clearly not up for it. You're clearly not improving. You're clearly not getting the extra tenths and, and hundredths of a second in each lap. You got three less points than Mick Schumacher, who lost his seat... In the same car. Have some humility and say, hey, we're figuring things out. I'm not exactly having the greatest season. We'll move forward from it. No, you sat there and you said they have to figure out the car. They have to figure out where it needs to go. They need to figure out this tire degradation problem. And on top of that, you addressed goddamn fucking rumors from the media who have the audacity to say you would be a good option at Red Bull. What kind of fucking idiot says that? The guy who was worse than Sergio Perez is going to step into Sergio Perez's seat and be better than him somehow? If Sergio Perez is having problems in Max Verstappen's car and Sergio Perez was better than Nico Hulkenberg, how fucking bad was Nico Hulkenberg going to be in that Red Bull? 
kind of like how I asked and I said, the guy who barely did anything with Renault and Sauber and Force India, who all improved without him, who all were decent enough cars that people could get podiums with them, how can the guy who struggled in those cars come to a worse team and be expected to do even better? So now you think, okay, here's the solution. Let's reward him. Let's have him fail upward. He's not doing good in the Haas. Okay, let's give him a better car because he deserves it. Why? 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 Heinz Harold Frensen lost his seat in 2003 because he stopped getting podiums at Jordan. Jordan is a similar team. It's a little bit better, but similar team to the Renault, the Force India. It actually it was what Force India became. And Sauber. Heinz Harold Frensen got three wins in 1999. Got several podiums over his times there. He lost his seat not because he was getting outside the points in 2003, because he wasn't fighting for podiums anymore. That's when Formula One had good standards. The fact that people are thinking we should have you go to a better team for doing nothing is a problem with the media, it's a problem with you for believing them, and it's a problem with the point system. Yes, I'd bring it all, I told you I'd bring it all back to the original topic. I need to go off on Nico Hulkenberg because he represents everything wrong with Formula One. I don't agree that necessarily Frenson shouldn't have lost his seat, but you know what? It produced great racing, great racing, great teams, great drivers with that type of pressure. There's only 20 spots. Not even one should be wasted on someone like Nico Hulkenberg. They're going off about Logan Sargent. Yeah, me too. I'm going off about Zhou Yu, Yuki Tsunoda, Lance Stroll. Everybody's giving them a hard time. I think we should start giving Valtteri Bottas a tough time. A lot of the drivers in the back 10 are just completely useless. Magnussen is another one. Ricardo, to me, is on the fence. We'll talk about this another time. But everybody's giving those people a hard time, and they're not giving Nico Hulkenberg a bad time. Someone who has qualifying pace and doesn't have race pace is a bad driver because this is a racing league, not a qualifying league. If he can't race well, don't always blame the car. Blame the driver. One point finish all year. Mick lost his seat for two, and two of them were way better. The two finishes were way better than anything Hulkenberg did. Because Hulkenberg was a 10th that turned into a 7th. Should have been a 10th. Mick got a natural 8th and a 6th. Could have had more. Should have had more if the team wanted him to succeed. He made some mistakes too. But he was a rookie driver. Nico Hulkenberg is now, I think, his 11th season. What is it going to take for people to realize he's terrible and that the media helped create this monster? How many times do I have to scream into the microphone that you're the problem, Nico? I've never had the car. I still can't believe he had the audacity to say that. You had the car. You couldn't do it. We're going to create a generation of Nico Hulkenbergs, and some people are going to like that. Consistent drivers who just bring the car home but can't race for shit. If we don't change something soon. I think we already have. We're gonna we're about to see just Max Verstappen run away with it, I think, until someone learns to develop cars the way he does. And and it doesn't look like anybody is in that realm right now. Mick Schumacher was, but F1 had to destroy his career. And I talked about that in my first podcast. Haas, Ferrari, Red Bull, they all had a all had a hand in it. Red Bull, or AlphaTauri at least, wanted to save his career. And the Red Bull, Ferrari, and Haas made sure that didn't happen. He could have developed cars. Not as well as Verstappen. Probably still wouldn't have beat him. But that's the template of driver you want. You don't have many of those drivers. Hamilton, Norris, Russell, Sainz, Leclerc, they all need a good car given to them in order to perform. We're going to see it next year. 
The Mercedes and Ferrari aren't as bad, and McLaren aren't as bad as people think they are. They're not as far back of Red Bull. They're far back from Verstappen's car. Because Verstappen has done something special with that Red Bull. It's tailored to him, and he's taken it to new heights. None of them are going to be able to compete, because they're not like Verstappen. They can't build the car. They can't fine-tune the car. I talked about it before. Yas Verstappen trained him not to read data but to drive and feel the car, feel what it needs. You, What did the Schumacher documentary say? Push the car to the limit as fast as you can. Feel what the car needs. You might crash, but you'll know in you how the car works. You'll become one with the car. Nobody else is figuring that out. Instead, we have a generation of people like Nico Hulkenberg who are happy with eight. So I don't think you're going to create the anti-Verstappen or the next the Verstappen killer right away just by changing the points, but I think it helps. I think we need to raise the standards a little bit. Because by lowering the standards, we created a terrible generation and only one guy figured it out. One. Funny enough, I think Sebastian Vettel... They gave him the right car, could, but once again, he needs the car. He's not as great a developer as Verstappen. Why Ferrari gave up on Vettel is a whole other discussion. But yeah, that was the crux of my argument. Is we're going to just see Verstappen run away with it if we don't start raising the bar on on the lower drivers, getting them to step up. You also created what you have now by having just drivers come up that can just drive fast cars but can't create their own good cars. And you gave the confidence to the wrong type of driver who would come consistently seventh. Norris was one of those people originally. He'd be happy with points. Be cocky with points. Need to be cocky with race wins. So yeah. That's my rant for today. Went a lot longer than I thought I would. But let me know what you think. Do you think Formula One needs to change the point system? Should we keep it the way it is? Is everything fine? My overreacting is maybe just Verstappen just a product of his car? I don't think so. Let me know. All right, everybody. I'll be back next time. Have a good night.